You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. So, John, before we get into the CFL talk today, I have uh, I have a very important question that I need an honest answer from you. Okay, okay, okay. I'm ready for this. It sounds serious, Joel. In the lights of, in the re- given recent events in the world of sports, I need to know how many burner accounts do you have where you go on and just trash your coworkers and generally defend <laughs> what you do at work every day and reveal company secrets. At least 17. At least 17. <laughs> if you can find them, good luck to you. 17, one wow. Of, How do you. One like... of them is actually uh, at uh, Chris Greer's Tiny Ears. He, uh, he works with me, fellow finance manager, has spectacularly small ears. Smaller than Trump's hands? Yes. Oh, wait. Wow. wait. Like, if there was a small off, Chris's ears would win. They're, like, disproportionately like small to the rest of his generally average proportioned, handsome, sexy body. Wow, that's that's those are some pretty small ears. So if you don't really know what we're talking about here, and it's not really CFL related, but it was just the Twitter was on fire last night. Today's Wednesday when we're, Wednesday night when we're recording this Tuesday night. Twitter was just on fire with this mm-hmm. report from the Ringer that Philadelphia 76ers general manager Brian Colangelo apparently has these fake or burner accounts as they're now known. Where he basically goes on there, makes fun of Joel Embiid, makes fun of other players on his team. Um, defends the actions that he makes as the general manager, and apparently has been giving away some team secrets as well. And we couldn't help but not touch on this, because other than a Russian journalist who was murdered, apparently wasn't murdered, (laughs) this is the second craziest thing to happen in the last 24 hours, and it's actually, like, sports-related, and... I just can't really wrap my head around a general manager doing this. It's crazy. Twitter has been on fuego the past 24 hours, Joel. It's been absolutely spectacular. Uh, you're right. I, I can't. What possesses a person in that in that position with that level of power and authority? Who has time? How does he have time to do this? Even I mean, like, aren't general managers supposed to be busy all the time, working the phones? evaluating their team doing this and that and here's brian colangelo running f- like five different twitter accounts allegedly and do had running a muck on twitter w- with his team like it's crazy <laughs> so like it does he never would he never check twitter around his friends because sometimes you can accidentally pr- uh, hit the button and your burner account show up like you know me and my 17 yeah you know but, and I, mean, but I, hey, mean, fi- I mean we've all been there running legitimate second accounts for like state for radio stations we used to work for or various companies that we used to work for and you would accidentally tweet something from that account that you meant to tweet from your personal account so 
I mean, I'm sure there's got to be some, uh, I'm sure there's got to be a tweet somewhere along the way that Brian Colangelo meant to put on his burner account that he probably put on his own. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now we got to go through. I love how, like, the internet was on fire combing through, like, every single Colangelo tweet to find out the context and the hidden meeting and could this possibly be him. And, you know, speaking of that, I should see if I still have access to any of those uh, Twitter accounts for any radio stations. I could really hype up this <laughs> podcast if I still did. Yeah, and then I'm sure um, those passwords would probably change pretty quick. Uh, yep, yep, yep. After we grow our audience to six listeners, though. Whew, that would be like double what we're at right now. So I guess it would yeah. be worth it. So I guess the question really to come from this is, and uh, I have it on good authority that Josh Smith of Three Down Nation is working on a piece like this. So we don't want to feel too, steal too much of his thunder. Yes. We're each going to pick a guy. You think there's someone in the CFL that you would say, oh, that guy's definitely got a burner account where he's doing something. Right, right. Mine would be CFL coaching legend Bart Andrews. He would have a bunch of burner accounts that just tweets at every team's account. Why didn't you punt on second down? (laughs) That's all it is. It's just like 18 different people. Why didn't you punt on second down? Oh, Bart. He's my favorite. Yeah, so because I'm weird, I actually spent a lot of time thinking about this. I started like last night. I'm like, who in the CFL would be someone that would definitely like feel the need to constantly defend themselves on Twitter? You you did actually text me this at a very late hour. Like we're talking yeah. like I had like one eye open. I see my phone go off. Joel, I, mean, I don't have we... children. You do, so I'm still a night owl compared to you. So let's we'll we'll, we'll make we'll make sure that's clear. I'm up up a lot later because of that. Still, okay, okay. Eleven thirty is a late hour. For you, yes. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's it's getting there. For Rob Vanstone, it's practically morning. So yes, <laughs> Rob's up at making bacon and eggs at three a.m. Yeah, so I'm kind of in for some reason agonizing over this, and then it hit me this morning. Then I finally texted you again. I was like, you know who would be the guy that would do this? And maybe not so much now, but definitely when he was with the Edmonton Eskimos, it'd be Eric Tillman. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I could just picture the burner account supporting the Ricky Ray trade. Yeah. I'd be like, of course I, of course, we traded Ricky Ray for a kicker. It makes all the sense in the world. Who wouldn't a- make that trade, right? Absolutely. This is the best trade ever. Grant Shaw is going to be the best, you know, kicker slash truck salesman this province has ever seen. So that's kind of that's kind of the, the thinking on that one. We'll save uh, the rest for Josh. I know he has he has some good ideas knowing him as... For once, he's writing something that isn't comparing CFLers to pop culture. So, uh, <laughs> or, or or yes, pro wrestlers, namely. Yeah, we'll consider that pop culture ish. Ish. Yeah, why not? Close enough. So that's that's enough of that. Uh, on today's show, we're gonna talk mainly about the preseason game and a little bit in terms of what happened in camp in the last couple of days. It's a lot of good to me. Honestly, it's going to, going to be a lot of talk about Canadians because most of the important Americans didn't play in that game, so there's not really much to say about them. So we'll be getting into some Canadian content a little bit, which should make the CRTC happy, I guess. If, Woohoo! Uh, even though I don't think CanCon rules apply to podcasts just yet, but if they do, we are well prepared. But before we get to that point, John... Uh, What's in the glass this week? Uh, in the glass, because I didn't have time uh, to pick up anything else. And this will also start another side debate, Joel. Okay. I'm going with a Stiegel Rattler. Okay. Now, is a Rattler a beer? We kind of debated this on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, it's beer-ish. 
and I'm not I'm not putting down rattlers. I, I think rattlers have a place, and they can be delicious at times. I I had a pump house crafty rattler earlier in the week because it was like four thousand degrees, and I had put away all kinds of stock all day at work, so I was really beat when I got home. So I wanted something light and refreshing, so I grabbed a rattler. Right. Um, to me, it's I don't, I don't know. It's I don't know if it's a beer. But it's not quite like a beer cocktail either, which exists. So it's, yes. it's kind of like a, a gray zone in between because you're taking the beer and you're physically adding an actual sparkling juice to it. It's not just beer that's made to taste this way because you naturally brewed it with these grapefruit flavors or whatever the rather flavor happens to be. So I think I'm with you. It is a drink. Yes. But it is not a beer. It is a cocktail, but not a beer. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a weird gray zone between beer and beer-based cocktail. Now, is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes, it's there's a hot dog and there's two slices of bread around it. It's just if it doesn't cover the whole thing, that's fine. It's still a sandwich. No, no, no. A hot dog is a taco. A taco is a sandwich, though. A taco is not a sandwich because you have the open air aspect of it. No, you have op- you have open face sandwiches, so. But an open face sandwich is not a sandwich. That's that's a disaster on a piece of bread. <laughs> so, so you don't like a steak sandwich where there's a piece of bread and a steak and then you eat it. A, a steak sandwich is not a, is not a sandwich. It's a delicious steak with a piece of bread to absorb its delicious juices, and you can eat, then eat the juices, and you got a little bit of garlic butter on there. It's quite tasty. I don't know. But you it's can pick you can pick up open face sandwiches and eat it too. Maybe not with a hunking steak on top because that's hard to eat just straight with your mouth, but. But most open face sandwiches are like drowning in some sort of sauce. You can still try. I'm, I uh, we have very different, very different definitions of what makes a sandwich, obviously, <laughs> and that will have to should... be for another podcast for another day. <laughs> so, I feel like I feel like we should have a just an off the cuff podcast. All right, let's move on. What's in your glass tonight, Joel? I am drinking the brand new Nicomis Summer Kettle Sour. Had a growler fill of it before, but now we got some cans of it. Just an outstanding summer beer that they make every year. Just night, nice, light, and refreshing. It's that little hint of sourness to make you come back. Is that sour beer something I've really come around on the last while? I used to really not like it a whole lot, but like yeah. you know, like when you have your very first IPA and you're like, ugh, what is that? After you've been drinking like Budweiser your whole life, and all of a sudden you make the switch to like an actual flavorful beer, and you're like, oh my gosh, what is this? And it, eventually, it, you, exactly. eventually you, you build up that. It. Eventually, you build up that palate, and that's kind of. What I've been doing for the last little while with sour beers, I've been sucking it up and getting through it, and now, now I love them, especially from Nicomis. Jeff, Jeff just nails these ones. They're they're so good. <laughs> Gonna have to give that one a try. Absolutely. So the Riders' first preseason game is in the books. It's a loss. That that doesn't matter. No. The to me the most interesting part of what happened in that game was at Will linebacker. Because there was a the depth chart came out on the day before the game, and we saw Sam Hurl listed as the middle linebacker, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, here we yeah, go!" Yeah, yeah. And then Sam McGuavin, something happened, and he wasn't actually going to play in the game, so that gave Cameron Judge the chance to play at will linebacker. Because Sam Hurl, apparently, from what I've been told uh, by some people at camp, it just doesn't have the athletic ability to play will, which makes sense. So if he's going to be on the field, he's going to have to play middle linebacker, so Sam McGuavin was playing Will when Sam was at Hurl. Sam Hurl was at Mac, and then if uh, Judge was at Will, then at Mac would be a Guavin. So hopefully, 
it looks like there's kind of a little bit of rotation going on there. And if Cameron Judge can be that guy, if he can step up and at least be serviceable of that will linebacker spot and allow Sam McGuivin to play the mill because he's clearly their best linebacker, that makes me a lot more confident in that linebacking group than having Sam Hurl at any position out there. I, I could not agree more. And I mean, this really sounds like this is a podcast of just hammering on Sam Hurl, but anybody that's watched his play in the past few years, you know, if a team doesn't think he's athletic enough to play a position and they're just kind of jamming in the middle because they really have no place else to put him, I have a fear that teams will be able to run on the riders all day long. If you can get past those defensive linemen and you're counting on Sam Hurl to be your primary run stopper, you're going to have a lot of problems. I remember when he was the guy for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you saw a lot of teams have big running games against them. Cameron Judge, and, and, and of all the rider draft picks lately, he seems to be, we're more talking Josiah St. John and, and his whole whole splash. Cameron Judge, I think, has a chance to be an impact player. And, and I was I was really pleasantly surprised because, uh, you know, I had almost kind of forgot about him heading into that that game against Edmonton and to see him emerge and maybe allow Chris Jones to play his best defense possible. I think that'd be that'd be a, a, a godsend for this team at this point. Yeah, it, it would be another it would be a, a very big change for this team when it comes to the ratio. Now, again, like a lot of other spots, there isn't really an equivalent in, in anywhere close to an equivalent for a backup for him. Maybe Kevin Francis, but I don't know yet. So, yeah. but that's that's but they're at least they're at the point now where it looks like they're building up at least a number of starters. So if one goes down, then okay, you swap an American here and this guy moves here instead and plays. So there are moving pieces to make the ratio work if they have to. Should someone get hurt, and I think just purely from a pure football spot, if you can get Cameron Judge to be that guy to play at least on a rotational basis, it takes a lot of pressure off some other spots where they only have say two Canadian offensive linemen where they have no one behind Jerome Messam. They have, you know, decent options in the secondary, but nothing mind blowing. So it, it just creates more options. And he looks like he could be a pretty decent football player. Now it was a preseason game, but he did have to go up against the Eskimos ones for at least a little bit and didn't look too out of place. So it's a big development for them, and it's really a big development for him, too, because like you, I think a lot of us kind of forgot about him a little bit, especially yeah. after whatever that was on Twitter last year when it sounded like he was going to retire and then yeah. backtracked on that whole thing, and now he's back. And if he can take a big step forward for this team, it will really – I'm hesitant to use the term game-changer for them, but it will certainly give them a much better look on defense. And I mean even just – Aesthetically, it looks better on defense because I mean, you don't even really see that many guys running around in football anymore other than a quarterback without gloves on. So, I mean, it's he's, he's kind of old school in that look when you see him running down there with those without his gloves on. He's got his fingers taped up and he's just like, let's brawl, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely looks like he could be the bouncer in Roadhouse. That's for sure. Yeah, he could probably unleash him, me and Roundhouse while in some tight jeans. Um I, I hate using the cliche game changer, but I think you kind of put your finger on it. The game changing ability is not. It's just if Cameron Judge can be uh, serviceable to average above average football player this season, it allows him to play Iguavin at the spot he should be at. And I think that would be the game changer for the Riders. Allows them to mm -hmm. dangle with the ratio, put their best foot forward, which is something I think they need to do. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately. They don't. They need their linebackers to be good. Every team does, obviously. Oh yeah. 
but they don't need them to be the best part of that defense. We know the secondary is pretty good. We know on paper that defensive line should be outstanding. So all they really need to do is step up and make the odd tackle when they have to, because eventually you think if the, you know, if they go with three or four defensive linemen and all of a sudden, you know, with the big three, they're getting lots of pressure. You're going to start to see a lot more screen passes probably to try and slow that a little bit. So that's when those guys have to step up and make those plays to back up the defensive line. Maybe be, you know, odd coverage play here or there, but they just have to not screw things up, basically, is what they need to do. And then the unit should be fine, and the defense should be really good, because what we're expecting is a good ball-hawking secondary like we've seen under Chris Jones for the last couple of years. And a defensive line, while aging, should still be able to get a ton of pressure this year. Oh, well, absolutely. It'll be giving people nightmares, but... it. it, it... After watching Sam Hurl when he was still a starter in Winnipeg until he got demoted. I mean, he was um, never really a, a top-level starter his first time around here with the Riders either. Like, he was on a team that he he played a little bit of linebacker at Canadian when they had, like, 12 Canadians that they could start, and they did it just because. But, yeah. I mean, he still wasn't – he never really stepped up and was a good starter then. So I don't really know what Winnipeg saw in him to give him a chance then either. And now the Riders are giving, I don't think they really believe him as a starter. To me, he he looks like he's one of those guys you bring in, he's a benchmark, and you just hope that someone is better than him, and it looks like Cam Judge is going to be that guy. Absolutely. So the other interesting kind of angle, I guess we can kind of touch on this now a little bit, is the offensive line. And this wasn't so much from the preseason game as it was the last couple of days of practice. So Darius Bladek, a guy who does have good potential there, another Canadian, one of the few on this team who has the potential to step up and become a starter on this team, maybe force Chris Jones's hand into going into three Canadian offensive linemen. Yeah. Well, Tuesday of practice, it sounds like, or at some point along the way, maybe it's a nagging injury from the game, but he practiced on Tuesday anyway. He, he doesn't practice on Tuesday, on Wednesday, sorry. Yep. And Josiah St. John is just coming back for a hamstring, so they're not going to push him too hard just yet. And then they have no one. And then we see the tweet from Ariel Zur of CJME that Eddie Steele is taking reps along the offensive line. Yeah, And that that brought me great pause because it's not, I mean, okay, it's a day in training camp, it's fine. Right now there's no need to set off panic alarms and everything, that everything is going wrong with the offensive line of this team already in the Canadian depth, but that's how dangerously close this team is in injury situations where, you know, if two guys aren't right, you're digging into your defense yeah. to find a guy to play offensive line for you at Canadian? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's 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 the scary part. I, I I think I think you're right. It was an eye opener. Like we had always said that the top end Canadian depth is just fine, but it's after you get past that, it's 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 not really good. And oh boy, uh, and you're right. That was the eye opener. And and I think it's entirely this is a realistic situation. The Riders might need to be prepared for because yep. again, it's such a tough position to play along that offensive line. You're already seeing guys getting banged up here in training camp and. Being down two guys in your offensive line is not unheard of. If anything, it's I'd almost say it's quite commonplace in the league these days. And to think that Eddie Steele could be the guy going in, a defensive guy, that's... And maybe you hope that Eddie's got some hidden talents playing both sides of the ball. You know, you have two guys playing two ways here in Saskatchewan, which 
you know, would have the <laughs> coolness factor to it. But still, you can't imagine a guy that's made his, his living playing playing defense is going to be able to step in and provide, you know, capable Canadian protection along that line. Yeah, and I, and I mean, he wouldn't be the first guy to have to do it. We saw the Rory Connup did it with the Riders a couple of years ago, but he wasn't very yep. good at defensive line either. So no, <laughs> there was a little bit of a, okay, let's find a spot for this guy at that point. And, you know, Calgary had the one year where they had, like, 12 injured offensive linemen. They had to play, like, two defensive linemen and still made it to the Grey Cup. So, you know, it's not unheard of for this to happen. And like I said, there's no reason to go into this great panic over this right now. But it really, I think it, it just exemplifies the lack of just developing and bringing in Canadian talent that they needed to do over the last while. Because, yeah, okay, they drafted an offensive lineman, he's, but there's a chance he's never going to play here. Like, yep. Dakota Shepley would be a really great stopgap right now, where another offensive lineman in that draft that's available in the higher rounds could have at least stepped in and been a body on your starting offensive line at camp for a few days while these guys are hurt, and that would have been great reps for him in his development. Instead, your best option is to move a Canadian. Granted, he's Eddie Steele's... He, we don't really know if he's really a top-notch defensive lineman anymore at his age and his questions. So yeah. maybe, maybe it's a good move for him to flip over to offense and have a little less of a physical drive on him. He doesn't need to push as hard. He's be, he's more reactive than proactive yeah. in the situation. So maybe it works out for him. But it's still, it's still, it's just like it makes you wonder, <laughs> you know, if because as I said before, they got very lucky with injuries last year. This team, yeah. And I don't, I can't bet on that happening again. So if we're seeing this prop up already, crop up already, where there's serious questions about a spot in a Canadian, you have to dig into somewhere else in your team to fill it. I, I don't, I don't know what's coming for this team down the road here. No, you're absolutely right. And I, I think you made a great point there too, Joel, going back to the draft where, you know, you and I were kind of all over Chris Jones for taking a guy that may or may not play when they need, you know, we both agreed they maybe should have looked at a guy that was a little less talented there, but knowing he was coming to Canada, I mean, it's... it's Yeah, like, they still could have, they probably still could have taken Dakota Shepley later in the draft. He still would oh, yeah. have been there because guys, generally speaking, teams don't take guys who have already signed NFL contracts till like, the third round. Oh, yeah, that seems to be the universal unless he's a total stud maybe the second round but i mean you even look at dr devonier tardif you know that was a guy we all knew was nfl bound and he went what it was third or fourth round like it was like this is talking about the unquestioned best canadian offensive mm -hmm. lineman in this country and you knew he was going to the nfl and he didn't have a sniff in the draft until the mid rounds on a okay let's take a flyer in this guy yeah, absolutely. So it's it's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on and what's it, how it's going to develop and what this leads to. But speaking of guys that are playing two ways, it's getting a little interesting too now with Deron Carter as he we saw a lot of him on defense in that game on the weekend. Yeah. And he had a few days of practice. And John, I, I kind of want your thoughts on this because I, I've been on the record as stating that I, I, I'm not really for it. I think he's, yeah. he's, he's best. the team is best served for him concentrating on offense, but if it keeps him focused, then so be it. And if he's actually good at both, I mean, why not? Jaron Carter's never boring, so we can never have too much of him. 
Well, I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat here for a moment. Um, I think the biggest reason Deron Carter is back with the Riders is because he's going to be given an opportunity to play both ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, If everything you read from all the CFL insiders basically said this guy isn't drawing a sniff of interest in the National Football League as a receiver. But guys like his makeup, they like him if he can play some defensive back. So I can almost... My tinfoil hat theory is that when he came out and re-signed with the Riders without even really exploring some of those rumored NFL opportunities, it was given the chance that, okay, I'm going to get meaningful reps on defense to give me a chance to further my NFL chances, and if you're okay with that, I will sign on the dotted line. And and like you said, he's been... He's been pretty good, and and I think, again, it comes down to it now allows you to do some different things uh, on defense. You know, if a guy goes down to that secondary, you don't have to be as worried. You can rotate Deron Carter in. I mean, he looks like he's got the ability to do it. Mm-hmm. We all know he can catch the ball. I, I think the only question will be, you know, you don't want to see a game in which you've played Deron Carter on defense for three quarters of it, and you're down a touchdown late, and you need the guy to go get it. it you know, is he in the fitness that he can still be Deron Carter both ways while playing, you know, a majority of the football game, or is it going to be a pick your spots, pick your sets? And, you know, if they're doing that, I don't know. I have a hard time taking your best offensive player off, off, off the field for significant portions of the game, just so he can, you know, live out his NFL fantasy. Yeah. And that's, that's the side of it. I see. And like I, I, I get it if there's if there's depth concerns because of injuries or something, he needs to play some spot downs over there. Okay, that's fine. And I'm yeah. a little more comfortable with it this year compared to last year where it seemingly came out of nowhere and oh, it was certainly. mid-season. At least now he's getting some reps in camp. He's getting a little bit of pra- more practice time with this to get a little more comfortable and kind of figure out how this is going to work for him in terms of playing both offense and defense. So I get, you know, from looking at the best thing for the team I see like eh, maybe he should just concentrate on on offense but as a story and as looking at it as you know basically a writer and a podcaster and a fan of the league I want him to pull this off it would be an incredible story to see at the end of the year even could you imagine how amazing it would be the CFL first team all-star defense and offense is out there and drawn carters on both sides of the ball that actually, that would be really, really cool. And I hope he does it. I think he's got the ability to do it. And I mean, I'm not doubting the guy's conditioning when I say it, but I mean, mm-hmm. you're asking a guy that's used to playing on offense for a full 60 minutes to then add another entirely different role on defense for a full 60 minutes. I think he can do it. I think it'll be fun. I just hope it doesn't affect the team's on-field performance. Now, you know, you mentioned about the reps and stuff. I would love to see Deron Carter come out and play a majority of the second preseason game exclusively on defense. We know we can, what he can do on offense. He knows the offense. It's the Mm -hmm. second year here. You know, I'd love to see him go out and give it like a good game long shot, just playing D and let's see what he looks like. Oh, it would be the perfect time to do it because uh, the other receivers didn't really play a whole lot in game one. So Damon Roosevelt, you know, all these guys will need some time in that game. Let them do it and give him the chance just to play defense and see what he does for an entire game. You're at home. It's not going to be televised, so there's not really going to be a whole lot of film on it. So why not go for it? I, I completely agree with that assessment. So... There was some news again today from the Riders as they've once again gone into the NFL well of former players who have some sort of notoriety uh, to uh, try and bolster their ranks a little bit with a sign of former then St. Louis Rams quarter uh, running back Trey Mason. 
No, he looked good for a little bit with the Rams, but then fell off the face of the earth and has had kind of a weird few years, to put it nicely, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to rag on him too much for that. This is the CFL. It's the League of Second Chances. And as far as I can tell, there's nothing too aggressive in there to say that maybe he shouldn't be here. So I'm willing to give him that chance to see see if this is the option that turns his li- that he's turned his life around and things are good now. And we know Chris Jones loves these type of guys. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of the signing yet because, I mean, we obviously haven't seen him in a game yet. We haven't really seen him. He's out of practice. It's just, it's just one where it kind of came out of nowhere, and you're like, oh, okay. Him. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's the same with, with getting Zach Stacy, another former uh, Rams running back. But to me, Joel, I think this indicates that the slight, I will say, slightly promising Trent Richardson era in Saskatchewan is over. Oh, yeah. He was, he was saying in the offseason that he thought he was a free agent or something, so... I, yeah. I, I don't think there's any that he's on the suspended list. I'm sure he's probably going to announce his retirement or they're going to release him soon. Cause I, I just, I don't see that ship sailing again for this team. Well, and I don't think, I mean, he played well. In he played. Stat, okay. He had the one game. He, he had the one game yeah. where he stood out and everything else was like, all right. Yeah. He's okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's a average to below average running back in the CFL. So I don't think it, it's not like he probably had NFL opportunities beating down his door. To me, it was a, no surprise because he said all the right things about coming up north i mean it, it, to me it it was a bit of a surprise that he wasn't here but i, I think mason signing is again uh, proving that chris jones is willing to take shots on these washed up nfl guys and honestly i'd rather see it happen in camp than happen during the season you know but again this once again proves that if jerome messam happens to go down there are going to be in a world of hurt if they're still auditioning former nfl guys this late into camp yeah, and I mean, Jerome's been pretty solid for most of his career. He hasn't really had too many injuries the last while, so he stood up pretty well, but he is getting up there in years, and you are going to have to spell him off from time to time, and that's where the ratio issues come into play again, because unless for some reason you suddenly think Spencer Moore is a running back, which he's never done in a CFL career to date. Yeah, um, but he's the fullback on every depth chart. Yeah, he's the fullback, but it's more of like a tight end fullback. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... You know, it's it's an interesting depth move. I, I don't really have any super strong feelings one way or the other. I know some people thought Three Down Nation made too big of a deal of his troubled past based on the headline. I mean, it, he did have a troubled past. There was no lying yep. there. But there was no there was no judgment towards that. It was just, this is what happened. And now it's the story of, is he another guy that comes up here, has his second chance, and makes the most of it? We'll just yep. we'll just have to wait and see. And that's it's an interesting note and one to watch. And I don't know. I mean, some of these guys, they, they're deep. The, the running backs always seem to be the guys that are deep in the depth chart that come out of nowhere and play well. I remember in 2012, it was Corey Sheets was yes, he was fourth or fifth. He was fourth on the depth chart going into the second preseason game, and there was there's just no way you could keep him off the field. And obviously, from there, the rest was history, right? So yeah, it's all just about in running backs. It's bringing guys in, and you know, is Trey Mason going to be a game changer? I don't know, probably not, but. There's, there's really, generally speaking, nothing wrong with the signing, I don't think. Absolutely. So I put it out on Twitter a little earlier today, and we had a couple of responses where I decided, I don't know why I thought we'd do a little bit of a quote-unquote mailbag segment. And, oh, uh, let's open up the mail here. The mailbag. <laughs> there. That's a very official uh, sounding sound effect. Yeah, it's, you know, when you run your finger across the envelope because... 
I don't know. Do people still get mail? Most of my it stuff comes like online were, now. It sounded like you were starting a lawnmower. <laughs> my, my my new credit card came in the mail. Okay, I, I guess I, I, I guess that happens too. Yeah. I got a photo radar ticket in the mail. Yeah, well, that's. Yeah. We, we prefer are, to pretend are. that didn't happen. Maybe you so, shouldn't so speed. Let, Maybe you shouldn't yeah, speed. That might yeah, would, uh, uh, help uh, help prevent that. That would also help prevent that. However, <laughs> um, so let's actually get some good mail because most of the mail we get is now bad mail. Absolutely. So first was from front of the show, Bianca Millions of CTV Edmonton. She asked about color schemes in the CFL, and she wanted us to power rank them now. I don't really want to go through all nine teams. Sorry, Bianca, I gave you a bit of a response on Twitter saying, that really, if you really think about the CFL and the color schemes across this league, they're all kind of boring. If you really yeah. think about it, there's no like exotic color that really stands out that pylon orange in BC is maybe the closest one to something a little different. Yeah, no, I would I would agree with you there. So what's but your favorite? Th- my favorite all-time is the green of the Sacramento Gold Miners. Okay. That's right. And least favorite of all time has to be the red of the Calgary Stampeders, just because it reminds me of their stupid touchdown horse, which I hate. What do you got against Quick Six? Nothing. I, it is a total irrational hate. I'll be the first <laughs> to admit it. I just hate it. Wait, you I, irrationally I, hate something? I can't believe it. <laughs> That's not my M.O. at all. <laughs> so the, the qualifier that she put on the question was, in the most biased, she wanted like really big time biases in on that one. So I guess you fill that on the bottom of the power rankings. Yeah. For me, if we're gonna have, if it has to be biased, and I'm have to go with the black and gold of the Hamilton Ticats because they're essentially the color of my NFL team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's right. Just so, add a little, little, little sparkle of blue in there. There you go. Yeah, and at the bottom, I don't know. Those BC Lion white jerseys don't really do a whole lot for me. You mean you don't, you don't like the Stormtrooper look? No, it was okay when though. I didn't mind it when the Riders did it. I remember a lot yeah. of people. There were some people, most notably some of a certain demographic, like news director of CJME Murray Wood, who didn't like it, but he despised the white helmets because the Riders always wore green helmets. And so that was just a thing that was always fun to make fun of them. And I always hoped the Riders wore the white helmets every single game, just for Murray. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, didn't, I didn't mind the Riders' Stormtrooper look. I didn't like the Dill Pickle, though. The all-green was too much. Yeah, yeah, Dill Pickle, although it did remind me of Dill Pickle Chips, which, which wasn't bad. See, the thing is, I'd be nervous about flying in all-white uniforms, is what if you have an accident? Like, what if you get hit so hard, you have a little oopsie, the world is going to know. Yeah, I mean, I guess, well, that could happen with white pants, whether the whole thing's wet or not, so. It's true, but I feel like the white would b- bring it, like, more glaring attention to it, because it's like, oh, look at that all white. Oh, what's that? Is that, is that mud? That's not mud. We're playing on pellets, so yeah, it's not mud. Unless there, you could maybe get away with it at BMO Field in Toronto, unless you're in the end zone. Right, okay, so <laughs> when I become a professional football player, I don't have to worry about accidents in my white pants, so I better play for the Argos. Yes, and only at Done. home. Don't ever play on the road. <laughs> Done. <laughs> and the other question we got was from another friend of the show, Peter Mills, asking... Great beard, great beard on Pete, by the way. Yeah, great beard, great dude. Um, Bing or Ask Jeeves? Oh, ask Jeeves because I felt like I felt like as a young internet connoisseur, you could Bing wasn't ask a him thing stuff. then, really. I, the comparison's weird because Bing be, only became a thing recently when, for some reason, Microsoft was like, "Yeah, let's take on Google in the search game." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Bing <laughs> has a really good video search. Oh, do they? I've never been on their website, so I don't know. <laughs> really good. Anyways, 
back when I was a kid. We don't need to get into why you know what videos show up there. No, no, it's just, it's great (laughs) if you're looking for a certain type of film, man, they can hook you right up. You just type in the search terms and boom, there it is. All right. (laughs) (laughs) But the correct answer to that question, as much as I loved the premise of Ask Jeeves, it's kind of a cool little idea if you really think about it in the thing. The correct answer, though, was Alta Vista. I don't know how Alta Vista doesn't come up as the other option in that. Because that, it was that, that, it was like the original search, was it not? Basically, I think so. It was that. Or, I remember using Yahoo a lot before when I was a. Uh, when, yeah, but when Yahoo I was still. Young... I mean, it's not really a search engine anymore. I don't think. Nobody, do they still nobody, do search? Anyway, but Yahoo is still kind of exists in a way, so people still think about it, right? I, I just like Yahoo exists. I just remember when when our friend Andrew Buckles was on there, and yeah. like. Like, that would be the only reason. And uh, actually, Lacey's uncle, Chris Zelkovich, as well, right? CFL stuff. Yeah. Um, that would be like, uh, I got to put up with Yahoo to read their stuff. Uh, <laughs> it better be good. That's like when Travis uh, Yost of TSN used to write for Hockey Buzz, Eklund's website. Uh, <laughs> blah. All right, yeah. that's it. I puked in my mouth. I think we have to end it there. Yeah, I'll go let you clean that up. Blah. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.